Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This is our Q&A show. Every week we post a personal development question on my Facebook page at Agent K Miller to hear the real world testimonies of people's journeys to change and grow. In this show, our topic is overcoming what seeks to bring you down. I mean, every day we, of course, face concerns and trials in our lives, real issues that truly do impact us. The answer to deal with them is not just merely be positive and paint on a happy face. It's far deeper. And in this show, we start off with a message from Zig Ziglar about these very real challenges in our lives. He discusses the need to acknowledge where we are, how we truly can grow in adversity and the necessity to grow, to respond instead of react from Zig's message. I posted this question to the Ziglar audience. Which of the following areas most tries to creep up on you and bring you down if you don't stay on top of your inspiration and positivity? Number one, circumstances, things like work, money, and health. Two, relationships, things like spouse, family, coworkers, boss, friends. Three, past struggles, really the past, but past struggles, trauma, labels, handicaps. And four, purpose, faith, hope, meaning in work and love and life. Well, I had Michelle Prince join me to talk through your comments for yet another show that really hits home for all of us. We'll start off with a six minute message from Zig, then get into our comments. What is your self image? One of the most beautiful letters I've ever gotten is from a psychologist, Dr. Jocelyn Fuller. She had attended a sales seminar and she said, you know, I never realized that salespeople are such good psychologists. She said, I learned some things at a sales seminar, but I never dreamed no way. She said, I learned to appreciate my own profession more. And she said, since then, I no longer have to parade my credentials. I no longer have to tell about my academic background. She said, I I still have them up on the wall. But she said, I value myself for who I am and not because of some piece of paper or a degree. I found it enormously exciting. Uh, One of the psychologists that I work with is a man named uh, Dr. John Leto. And Dr. Leto says that if in human nature, if in dealing with people, if we would learn to deal with every person as if they were our best friend that we would be able to get along with far more people, be accepted by a whole lot more people, and our own self-image as a result would be substantially improved. Now, folks, let me say something here that's extremely significant. I know it's awfully tough to respond when your mate of 17 years walks out and leaves you with four children to raise. That doesn't get solved in 20 minutes. I know that it's tough to respond when a trusted friend and a partner embezzles funds from the company, forces you into bankruptcy, you lose your home, and so many other things. I know it's tough to respond when you're unjustly fired, or when you were abused as a child, or when your child was killed by a drunken driver, or by a drive-by shooting, and then they walk away scot-free. I know it's an awfully tough thing to do. But the question is, just how do you respond? What are the steps that you take? First of all, you must acknowledge where you are. 
See, that's one of the things a lot of times we don't do. We don't want to think about it. Where am I at this moment? Where are you when something like that happens? I'm here to tell you we grow in adversity. Mary Crowley grew in adversity. You can grow in adversity. In the uh, March 28, 1993 issue of Parade Magazine, some of you might have seen the article on a young man from Fort Worth named Randy Souter. 17 years old, an athlete, a very healthy, outgoing young man. He injured himself in a diving accident, became a paraplegic. He was in the hospital for five months. And he, of course, was very upset about what had happened. One day, he's active and enthusiastic and doing everything that a healthy 17-year-old athlete would do. And the next moment, he realizes he's going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Yes, he had a pity party there for about five months. But in the past, he had demonstrated some artistic skills. And one of the therapists there at the hospital almost literally forced a brush on his hand and brought him the stuff, and he started again doing uh, some work in the world of art. Now, his objective had originally been to get into uh, creative advertising with some ad agency. But while he was piddling with his artwork, and he went to work with this ad agency, and uh, one of his uh, pictures was sitting there on the floor, and a gentleman saw it and said, Hey, do you have another picture like that? Do you have any that are for sale? Bottom line, six years later, this young man has developed a talent that has enabled his paintings to be in over 1,500 galleries around the country. Here's what he said. He said, had this not happened to me, I doubt that I would be where I am today. He took the proverbial lemon. He made the proverbial lemonade. He took what happened to him, didn't moan all of his life. Now for five months, he did. And then he decided, I got to get on with life. People ask him, uh, what's the last thing you think about? Do you think about that wheelchair all the time? He responded, the last thing I ever think about is my wheelchair when I get up in the morning. I'm excited about what I'm doing. When we get excited about life, then, ladies and gentlemen, we can respond instead of reacting. But understand where you are. Take a little inventory. If you're feeling down, if you really are not happy with things, it's okay to get down. In the February 3rd, 1987 issue of the New York Times, they had a very significant article. It pointed out that a lot of people have every reason to be negative. A lot of people have every reason to be pessimistic. Maybe their life up until this point has indicated that, yes, that's where they ought to be. Where would we be had we faced some of those situations is what we need to ask ourselves. But they also went ahead to say that once you've identified where you are, you don't go around beating yourself up about where you are at this moment. You start looking at how you can change your thinking. You see, when you change your thinking, you change your action. When you change your action, you change your future. Now, how do you change your thinking? Why, you change what you put in your mind. You see, the mind is the gateway to the heart. You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into that mind. You can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. All right, Michelle, on these you know, four areas, and of course, you know, I gave that question, which of these areas creep up on you? And you'll hear one of the questions here where she says, well, it doesn't creep up on me. It's always there. And I think that that's probably 
the case, <laughs> but you know, for a lot of us, I mean, there are, there's those things, circumstances, relationships, the past and, and struggles and purpose that I, I think, uh, I don't think any of us are, are immune to like, gosh, I, I, I probably any given week, month, maybe even day, all of those are going to hit me in some aspect. Uh, maybe that's just the case for all of us. I think so. I mean, who, who doesn't have a struggle here and there or have something that you didn't expect happen, happen. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, maybe there is more of a repeat, more of a pattern that some people tend to have more issues in, you know, relationships or, yeah. or still overcoming something from their past. Well, and that's it. I don't think the point is to get perfected because we'll, we'll never be perfect, but how do we manage our stuff? So that's what we're going to talk about here. So I'll just dive in and really great responses. Uh, Ron Valencia here, he says, he says, number work, my work responsibilities, uh, circumstances seem to be my biggest stressor. If I don't keep up on them, it's mostly because of the hard deadlines that I can't push back. This stuff can keep me up at night. If I don't stay on top of it, occasionally things fall outside of my control, but he says also number two and three relationships and the past. And he says health and general finances is also a concern. If I don't stay current on those, but mostly this is just a piece that daily healthy routines, habits help. Um, absolutely. Well, you know, work responsibilities, how many people is that the primary stressor and gosh, I, you know, I, I think that's the case, no matter if you're employed or self-employed, I've always been self-employed and I have let that be the guiding, you know, cloud or light in my life far more than it should. Well, and I definitely think it's, it could go wherever you work because I remember being in corporate America and I, almost feeling like I had more stress because there was so much responsibility quotas to hit people to please. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's real, real stress. And, and a lot of it is out of your control too. So what's happening with the company or you're going to get laid off. All of those triggers are, are so stressful. Well, and one thing real quick on that, Michelle, you know, I think as Ron's talking about the deadlines, I, I would make an assumption that he's talking about that, you know, he's an employee somewhere. He has deadlines he has to hit. And for those who may think, oh, it's easier on the self-employed aspect, obviously I love that, but I have to set deadlines for myself to get things done. But I think for my, on, on this part, it's a lot of time, it's the decisions it's, you've got to make a decision or nothing is going to happen. And today you can do anything. What should you do? What is the priority? So, uh, I don't know if it's less stress on either side, we're still left to figure out how we're going to manage it, how we're going to deal with it. Uh, Steve Patterson, he says, Kevin, I think it's the whirlwind that can take the shape of any of those examples. I can say that after taking your suggestion and ordering the Ziegler performance planner and utilizing it every day and every week, the whirlwind is more at bay now than it ever has been using the planner every day takes a different level of discipline, but worth every ounce of effort put in. When one of the areas starts to creep up on me, the planner is there to refocus my day and knowing I have a plan helps to release some of the pressure of forgetting and getting off track. How much can we say about the value of planning? Not my favorite word, but without it, it's chaos. It is. And I love that he's using the performance planner because it is such a great tool. And it's not that it's just a, a, a time management tool or a calendar system. It's really just keeping you focused on the priorities. Because like he said, if if things just start creeping in, and, and especially nowadays, there's so many things that we can let just get in 
in the way of what we're trying to focus on in our goals and easily distracted. But that planner just brings it all back in. Yeah. You know, if you can have some downtime, oh, wait, what was I supposed to do? What, what did I say was my most important goal this week? And it just hopefully will pull you right back in to get back on it. Well, and folks, if you're hearing that, you can, of course, go to Ziggler.com and go to the products, the online store, and find that performance planner. It's an incredible tool. Everybody who uses it swears by it. But regardless, yeah, the planning, the sitting down, I don't know how often, you know, in our habits shows that we do uh, with all of our guests, so many of them talk about the benefit of just setting their goals for the day. We all talk about that long-term, but setting the goals for the day. And I really have to take that into heart because I am the most prone to just come in and hit what's interesting, exciting, look at my emails and what the next opportunity or sale is or whatnot and then get to the end of the day. And then I start pushing it to get done what I have to, or, or that important decision. And so planning it, I, I have gotten better even as of late of having all my different initiatives out there and saying, what is the thing that has to get done today? It, oftentimes it's most exciting, but it may not be as much as just the fun thing. Um, so yeah, planning, planning. Thank you for, for that, Steve. Tina here. She said, this is a little bit long and it starts off negative and then it redeems itself. So I'm going to read the whole thing. <laughs> she says, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia last year. Also the past four years, I have had too many traumatic events that took place. I lost my best friend. A family member was shot. Another family member is homeless and struggling with, uh, with drugs. My brother got in a bad motor motorcycle accident last June. My mother ended up in a nursing home. She was very ill and close to death. Grandparents died. Uh, three dogs and a cat, uh, died or got ill. I was diagnosed with mono last March and my husband owns a business. It's been very stressful. I have credit card debt along with business tax debt. Now on a positive note, my health is slowly, but surely getting better. It's, it's a process. I've been eating clean and started a, uh, isogenics nutritional system and got a health coach, which has been an amazing journey that is giving me hope to be able to play and enjoy my grandbabies. The nutrition's amazing. And I'm feeling the results. I'm taking baby steps toward resolving the debt issues. I rescued a nine-year-old puppy and, uh, she's great. My son has been clean since January and no longer homeless. I'm so very thankful for that. My brother lived through the accident. My mom's doing much better. My marriage is no longer falling apart. I have cried, groaned and grown through this and appreciate health, life and family so much more. Thank you, God, for helping me through it. Wow. Yeah. That's what I thought. What? That's, that's a, that's a lot. That is an awful lot. And it explains why you would come down with some, you know, autoimmune type situations because your body can only handle so much stress and it's, it is all tied together. And I know, I know all too well about that. I have a a similar past in certain areas, but thank goodness. I mean, my gosh, it it sounds like things have turned around. It sounds like her attitude about a lot of the things has really changed too, which is fantastic. Well, and this is so many of the stories that we hear that type of those type of circumstances, unfortunately happen to a lot of people and not many of them, ever get the uptick and have a story to tell and a a praise to report. But yeah, what you said there, it was interesting. I I had a friend a good while ago who shared his story with myself and it was with a business group we were in uh, about the physical manifestation of emotional pain. Mm. Being in the medical arena in the past four years, I've seen that so often and experienced that with people 
And it's so real, so true. I don't think it gets enough merit where people have a physical pain and they'll come to the doctor's office that we, that we own for that. And yet to find out that this is an emotional root. Now it manifests in a real physical thing. The physical thing is not, is not benign. It's not fake. It actually exists, but the root of it is coming from an emotional area. And sometimes it's not a, a drug, a supplement, a therapy, an exercise that'll fix it. It is taking care of that circumstance, um, mm-hmm. really, which is often, well, as I say, it's often relational and we're about to get into some relational, um, so some folks sharing about that, uh, Tina, uh, Tony here, she says for this season of my life, I said work. However, it could be more losing my purpose and taking a job that was not within my purpose that is causing me to get down. My job has brought a lot of stress and frustration, yet I learn something each day that helps me grow. I know the job is not within my purpose and I need to move on. The question then is it circumstance or purpose? I think it's starting away that it's, it's from her starting away from my purpose that has caused a not so good circumstance. That's interesting. Chicken or the egg there somewhat, but how many people are in that? And you know, the, the one thing I have, I've been a little bit called out before because I want everybody to work at what they enjoy, what the, you know, a purpose, uh, that they have purpose in that they are really passionate about. And there's a lot of content around that, but never do I want to talk down to somebody who's doing what it takes to put food on the table as well. That is valiant, very valiant. But I appreciate what Tony here says that maybe she, you know, she needs to look towards moving on. I think if you do that out of survival and you end up doing it for the next decade, uh, that's when it's dangerous, do it for the time, but then yeah, be looking, where is that place that you are going to flourish in that you have care and ultimately purpose in. Absolutely. And you know, everything in life is a season and there are seasons that you just have to bloom where you're planted. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it's your, your joy job, your purpose job, I mean, my gosh, for how many years did I have a job that I hated in corporate America because it was so far from my purpose, but it was a means to an end and we needed it. And, and, you know, it, it, it paid the bills, but it was just for a season. And so I love though, that Tony knows that she's, you know, took a job that maybe isn't within her purpose. So you can't really improve on anything if you don't know what it is. So now this next season could be focused on okay, well, what do I want to do? And, and how do I get back into my purpose? And, and everybody has the ability, even if it's just doing something on the side, it doesn't even have to be your full-time gig per se, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have done, I've been on both sides. I have been on the side where I was doing something because I could do it. I was, you know, quote unquote successful, but I was so far from my purpose and then I've done things like working with Ziggler and, and what I'm doing now with my own business where I'm in my purpose so I can see both sides and you kind of have to experience both in order to really appreciate the other. You know, I, I appreciate so much what I have now because I was so unhappy and not in my purpose for so long, but you know, you can get back to it. And, and you know, we've had some shows recently where that aspect just came up and some people, I think it is more somewhat of a personality issue. They need to be, to, to, to really be fulfilled. They need to be working in that thing that they get purpose in their work. And yet there's others who are able to do something that obviously not that they hate, but something that may not be their purpose, but it helps support them time, money, and opportunity. It helps support them to engage in their purpose and no right or wrong. It's whatever. Yeah. What? Go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, and I think a lot of people may not even know what their purpose is or even have the goal orientation to, to try to strive toward living a life of purpose. Right. You know, you and I are so fortunate and blessed that we've been around people our whole life, you know, who teach this kind of thing. But majority of the people out there don't don't know any different. They don't know that they can, can work a job that they actually love. They yeah. they haven't had the opportunity or maybe they haven't been taught how to, to go after that. So, you know, I, I just I. If there's ever an opportunity, though, to just stop and reevaluate, look at the gifts, like what do you have within you? What are your passions, your purpose? And try to find, even if it's just on a weekend, doing something. If you love to speak in life into people, then on the weekends, go speak to the church or go to the Rotary Club or do something that may not be your full-time job, but still gives you that fulfillment. Absolutely. And I, I have some fear that we've been Dilbertized as a culture to some degree to where the expectation is not even there that we would have purpose. You know, work is to gain a paycheck and then we try to fulfill our purpose outside of that. And yet it is, it feels to me pretty irrefutable on, with, with this show, the people that we interview, the most fulfillment, the most success overall that we generally see are from those people who found the thing that they care about and they're working amongst that every day. All right, mm -hmm. Laura, and I, you know, there's a bunch on relationships. I was going to group them together, but they're really on different aspects. So we'll hit some different aspects of this. Laura here, she says relationships. Absolutely. I tend to kick myself about relationships gone wrong. And I keep analyzing and trying to figure mm. out what not to do next time. And I struggle to not feel like a relational failure. I think she spoke for a lot of folks there. That is one, Laura, that I've talked about. Uh, I talked about this last week with my wife, just how I have done relationships wrong in trying to be, uh, to, to, to have, be a people pleaser. We've talked about that, Michelle. And, and she said, I don't think it's that you're a people pleaser. You just don't like conflict. I said, yeah, I don't like it when people don't like me. Uh, so call that what you want. Am I really trying to please them or I'm just trying to self-protect? I just want to be, I just want, I want to be loved and liked, you know? Um, and, but if, if not, what did I do wrong? It's kind of that consummate thing that we hear so often, you know, here doing the show, uh, the 15 great reviews are great. But the one that sticks out is the bad one. Why do I focus on that one? And why? Do, and so I that's think, right. Lord, I, we do. Laura's talking about that. And that's difficult because of course we want to. Uh, you know, we want to be better. We want to know what are we doing wrong? We want to be the best that we can in relationships, but there's no way we can please everyone. No, that's you can't. And I'm so, I, I understand where Laura's coming from. We all think about what did I, what went wrong? And you know, why were, was I so close to this person for this amount of time? And then now we don't even talk. There is a, uh, a quote that I heard that I, I love, and I don't know who wrote it, but it's, it goes like this, that we have three types of friends in our life, friends for a reason, meaning they come into your life for a reason. They're, they're, there's a purpose that they're there with you. Friends for a season. So it's just for a short time. Maybe it's through high school. Maybe it's through you know a job or whatever. And then there's your friends for a lifetime. And I think most of us, especially as people pleasers, probably want to have all friends for our life, but that's just not the way it is. And I, I think if we can re- get a different perspective. Like, you know what? That person is no longer in my life. That did not go as I had planned. Maybe the relationship didn't end the way I wanted, but they, they taught me something or I got something out of it that I wouldn't have had had I not met them. So 
I don't know, maybe try to change the perspective of what their purpose was. Yeah. Boy, I totally agree with that. I, I often think about people who I had deep experiences with really intimate uh, relationships and experiences, things that we did and that, that were not a part of each other's life at all. We moved, we did whatever, but I have other relationships. I, I guess a time goes on and you have none. That's a problem, but hopefully you have others. And they, I, I love that perspective, those three tiers. Uh, Actually, this just happened. So this weekend I was at my, my niece's uh, high school graduation and I was visiting with some family I hadn't seen in a long time. And one of, we have a mutual friend, a friend who actually happened to be uh, one of my dearest friends from college and they had a, a business connection. And so they were asking me, Oh, when was the last time you talked? And I'm thinking, my gosh, it's probably been like literally spoke probably 10 years, even though I love this person, I know she loves me. And, but yet life changes and different seasons and our kids, you know, we live far apart. Our kids grew up differently. It's just, it is the way it is, but it's, it's tough. tough. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Katarzyna, she says, circumstances for sure for her. She says, I still have a tendency to react first and respond second. Depending on the degree and intensity of the shakeup, circumstances can still paralyze me. She says, with the other categories that I listed, she says, I have tools to work with, things I can do. With circumstances, I find that there, for the most part, is not something I can respond to or with right away. This, I think, is what most people deal with. I mean, nobody wants to, to get the phone call of bad news or nobody wants the, you know, the hot water heater to go out or the car to break down. These are circumstances you can't control. And those I, I love what she said, though. It's either do you react or do you respond? Because either either one that you choose doesn't change the situation, but it maybe just changes the way you feel about it. Uh-huh. That's That's a tough one. That's probably as I was looking at this list, that's probably my number one is. Well, when things happen that you don't expect and you weren't emotionally or mentally prepared for, what do you do? Hey, disclosure. I I think that's the one that I question the most because something will happen and I've found myself and I've talked to close friends about it to sometimes just, just feeling like really God, okay, am I supposed to learn something here? I mean, I know I'm not going to end up dead and homeless because of this circumstance. Um, I'll get through it. We'll make it. I, what am, what's the point? Is there a point? Am I supposed to learn something? Cause it feels like really, it's just, it, it just feels like a deterrent. Like it's taken me away from things that do matter from people who matter. And I don't always have an answer for that. And I, yeah. I'm actually reading a book right now and, and not to give a big plug for it, but it's a really good book about this type of thing. It's called crushing by TD Jakes. Okay. And it's that fantastic in putting things in perspective that bad things are going to happen. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter what you, even if you do everything right, there will be bad circumstances in your life. And, but it, his is more about like the perspective of it. And he uses the analogy of, uh, the vine and, and the branches and the fruit, right? You know, yeah. you can't you can't produce fruit if you're not connected, if the branch isn't connected and all that. And and we tend to think that the fruit, you know, what we what we get is the the end of the story. And we just work so hard to get this fruit. But the reality is thinking of grapes, the fruit, it doesn't end there. You don't just grow fruit and be prosperous and then it just stops. What happens with grapes? You pull them, you pluck them, you crush them. Wow. And that's how you get the better part of it, the wine. And so it's all about like 
sometimes, and I, you know, we're, I, I, you know, I have some personal things going on too within, and doesn't everybody, but we are in a season of some, some circumstances that are a little confusing. And, and so it's like, okay, why is this happening? And I just love the way TD gives that perspective is don't look at your bad circumstances as a bad thing. You almost be like, thank God, because that means I'm getting closer to the wine. <laughs> if I'm getting crushed, that means it's for a purpose and there will be something better to come. Okay. Let's go with that. I like that idea. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't, who doesn't want to be wine? Um, That's I, right. <laughs> I, do, I do. Well, and I'll look up that book, by the way. Thank you. Uh, Becky Mirindo here. She says work, money, and health. My husband worked very hard the last two years in a position that was supposed to help him advance. His boss didn't support him, and now he's set back to where he was four years ago. We could really use the money the advancement would have provided. We haven't had health insurance in almost five years. We're focusing on our many blessings, but I worry about all the what-ifs. Breast cancer runs in my family. Our boys need braces, etc. I just appreciate the rawness of that. And Becky, thank you for just being open and honest. I think uh, the point of these shows is not to just wrap things up in a tidy bow, like a sitcom, because we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about a real world scenario that you are within right now. And I'm sure you speak for a lot of people. Things aren't perfect. You're within it and you're trying to wonder what to do and what it means. And I, I think that a lot of times, you know, we can try to have a positive outlook. We can try to see the, the light of everything, but then the next moment we are left with, what do I do? I find myself that a lot of times my prayers are God, just, I have to make a decision. I have to go do it. And if you're not going to, you know, let a, a stone tablet with the directions fall out of the sky in front of me, I'm going to have to, I'm going to seek it. And then I have to go do something. Please help me make a good decision because I have found out I have the ability to make a bad decision. Yeah. Um, please help me. And there we are. And oh gosh, I don't, you know, I think everybody is, has something and, you know, even the people that you think don't have it all together and things are so great. I guarantee you, they also have something that, that is really pulling at them and they're not sure where to turn. And yeah, I love what she was saying though, just trying to stay positive and keep the hope. But, but there are going to be those moments where you just, Oh oh gosh, well, what if, what if, what if, and, and it's, it's paralyzing. Uh, I know because I've been there many, many, many middle of the night, (laughs) you know, stressful moments, but I don't have the answer to it. I sure wish I did because I sure would, you know, try to implement it. But for me, it's just, it's, it's, for me, it's just staying focused on what I do have, what is positive, the what ifs could happen, but, you know, be grateful for where, where we are right this moment and just try to change the perspective. Yeah. Being grateful, changing the perspective. And then, you know, Becky, I think I, I also feel drawn towards a seeking counsel, um, mm-hmm. whether that is from somebody, you know, whether that's from somebody you hire, whether that's from a book that you try to uh, get counsel from, but, uh, getting other people's perspectives from the, the giants that have gone before us and experienced things and come out of them. Uh, and it's what we try to do with this show. It's not to have all the answers, but to bring people in perspectives that have, dealt with these things and what have they done and what's going to be the secret sauce for you. Um, Jennifer here. This the one is- thing I've said to myself, yeah. Oh, so sorry. No, no, no go. I was just going to say, just to wrap that one up is the one thing I always say to myself in those times is, you know, this too shall pass. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be forever. And just hold on to them. Absol- forward. Absolutely. 
Um, Jennifer here, she's the one that I referenced before. She says, finance stress never creeps up on me because it's a constant worry. And the hamster wheel of running around trying to keep busy and make ends meet is what creeps up on me. Um, after all the busyness of work stress in the moments of a day when I have time to reflect, I feel a sadness that surely this is not what life is about. I come close to wanting to get off the grid and live out of a backpack. Uh, how many people understand that? Yeah, I, I you know I, to some degree, not to minimize that at all, but there's sometimes when I, I can think about that, even amongst the wealth and the, the gifts and the gratitude that I have, it's still, it's still a lot. It's still a lot of hard work. It's still a lot of decisions and uncertainty. And yeah, the thought of just simplifying as some of my kids have done recently where they have gone off the grid and lived out of a backpack and I can't conceive of that anymore. I feel like I have, uh, you know, the business of family even is pretty, pretty sizable. Um, but gosh, that's, you know, knowing, knowing what you're dealing with Jennifer here, that that worry is there. I mean, there is that, you know, aspect of how long can you withstand that? I think that's to some degree what we're talking here is knowing it is great. How long can you withstand it? Is this something you can do? Is it sustainable for a long period of time? If not, then what decision needs to be made, which is where a lot of us are left. And changes, you know, sometimes what we fear most is really what we need the most. And, you know, you hear all these stories of people that, that fear, you know, losing a relationship or losing a, you know, their home or losing this, but then they are in a different part of it. Then they're on a new stage and then they look back and they're grateful. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm a totally different person now because of I've, I've had to go, go through this. Yeah. It's funny though, what you're talking about the backpacking, I was thinking before the show, you know, I were just talking about our kids actually. And, and that same thing that we're telling our, our college kids or our, our te- you know, late teens, early twenties kids enjoy this time because there are a lot more responsibilities and a lot more just bigger decisions that happen as you're an adult. And so to just, it's such a simple life when they're young. And I I'm with you. There are times I, I it sounds really appealing to just go live on a beach somewhere it, uh, it, in a little tinky hut. It does. You know, I will, I will to Jennifer, I'll question or just maybe ask you to look at the, look at the pain. You know, how high is it? How, how real is it? And, you know, I have a perspective that I have has been really significant to me over the years. A friend of mine named Gary Barkalo wrote a book called it's your call and it's about your calling. But within that he talks about, it's a biblical, it's a, it's a faith-based writing. And he talks about trusting the desires of your heart. Now, obviously not the desire for a donut maybe, or, you know, a Ferrari, uh, but those long-term desires of your heart for purpose, for meaning those things to trust those, to trust that God put those in there for a reason. So that's what he talks about that from that though, something that was really meaningful to me and has been over the years is also trusting the distastes is the word that I use. You could use a lot of different words there, but uh, as much as the desires, if I have a, a distaste for something, maybe something that I went after, it was good for a while, but I found that I am not okay with this anymore, or I'm, I've lost my taste for it. I've lost my desire for it, trusting that. And I think we fall into a place of saying, that's just what we're supposed to endure. You know, life's hard, suck it up, buttercup. And I tend to look at just as the desires, the long-term desires. And I say, man, if that's been there for a while, months, a year, years, I, I trust that there's going, there's, there should be fruit and I should make some 
uh, take some actions towards that. And the same thing with those long-term distastes. If it goes on long enough, it's a passing distaste. It's one thing, but if it goes on long enough, I've learned to, to pay attention to it, to give it merit. And I find my wife and I often, as we talk about things and it comes up again, I think, wait a minute, let's, let's look at that. If we're both feeling, you know, not as much taste for that thing, let's, what does that mean? What could that mean? What should we look at doing? Um, so a couple perspectives to look at. I love that perspective. And I think you're so right. I mean, I can even think of a few things for myself that have just been there for, for years and years and years. And, and it can't be for no reason. You know, whenever I'm, I'm speaking and I'm talking on purpose and finding your purpose in life and I, I joke, but I, 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 I do sincerely believe this. I joke and I, I make the comment that, you know, we're, we all have a purpose, regardless of what you believe spiritually, you know, we all probably believe we're here for a reason. And if, if God's given us a purpose, then he's a pretty, he's probably a pretty nice guy. Meaning he's not going to give you a purpose in life that you hate. <laughs> right. So it's, it's something that keeps coming up, something that just excites you. And, and I'm, I'm with you on that. And if it's, if it's there, I think the hardest part for me and maybe for other people is figuring out, okay, well, if I'm feeling all this and I really know I'm supposed to be following this purpose and living this purpose, how do I get there? It's, it's the figuring out the how that, that I think hangs me up sometimes. But I, I, I agree with you. If it's been there that long, then there has to be a reason. Mm-hmm. So. I, it's interesting. You said that, you know, sometimes you wonder the how, because the next one I was going to read was the shortest one we got and joy, uh, joy Regan. She says it's purpose uh, is her, is her quandary. She's here to love, love each other and obey God. Now what? Um, I, it was short and sweet. I almost didn't include it, but I thought, no, gosh, how often do people feel that way? Do have I felt that way of, okay, I get the big purpose, but how do I tangibly walk that out? And there's no easy answer to that. My gosh, listen to these shows and the work that the people that we are, the influencers that we talk with here that are leading us and, and then that we're following and listening to the work that they have done to figure out their path. It is it is hard work. That's the, you know, no sugarcoating that. Is it worth it? Absolutely. And what's the, what's the alternative? No hard work and and nothing, um, which is where a lot of people just meander in that mediocrity of life, um, which none of us want. And we wouldn't be here on this show if that was the case, but there is, I, I understand that now what, how do I walk this out? And is God micromanaging my life and have a specific thing that I have to find, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of doctrine in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, here's, here's a, a really, really good one, uh, that I actually pulled a quote out of Audrey Steele and she, uh, she's written a book on this arena and she said, it's definitely past trauma for her. It has had the most significant impact on my current circumstances, relationships, and mindset, not necessarily what happened in the past. This is what I, this is what I wrote down, not necessarily what happened in the past, but what I came to believe as a result of the past. False beliefs cripple potential optimism, critical thinking, and change, and keep me clinging to and perpetuating the past without even realizing it. Forward mm. momentum in my life is paralyzed by unawareness of what has warped me, along with unwillingness to critically examine what I've always believed and determine if it's true with God's help. This is foundational to me, acting like the person God created me to be and allows my thinking, choices, emotions, and behavior to all line up. When I struggle with circumstances, relationships, or purpose, I almost always, uh, it goes back to a false belief that I carry from the past. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was, that was like a, 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 I felt like a student reading that one. 
um, fall, again, not necessarily what happened in the past, but what I came to believe as a result of the past. I don't know what show number it is. I'm going to have to look behind me for the book title. Um, Mastin Kip wrote a book called claim your power. And I interviewed him, boy, it's probably been a year ago or so. And his primary focus, he's in the personal development space, but he feels like most people's handicaps, the places where they come to a standstill are somewhat connected ultimately to unresolved past trauma. And we really broke down that works. When you hear trauma, you think of traumatic and really bad things. And a lot of people don't resonate with that. I've not had anything super traumatic. You know, it's levels of trauma. Um, you could have the, the trauma of high expectations in your youth that you tried to uh, live up to when we're imprisoning, whatever, but, but things that hurts wounds, you know, issues, trials in the past that we've never really gotten beyond. And they have, as Audrey so deftly says here, they have, uh, really, they've created false beliefs. Uh, and I don't know if any of us are free of that. This is something that I, I have had a lot of experience seeing with, with helping people to write books. I, I found that time and time and time again, the people that are really wanting to make a difference, they really want to share their story. They want to help other people. They've been through something. And I mean, I, I can't begin to tell you the stories that I've heard, tragic, just devastating stories of things that people have gone through, but that has ignited in them, you know, this purpose or this desire to help other people. But so many of them have been locked and, and until they got to that point where they realized they could move forward, they were just stuck in this negative belief that that's who they were or yeah. that's what, you know, and it's one of the reasons, you know, at Bookbound, actually, that's one of the first things we work on is belief because, you can believe you can, you can want to do something, but if you don't really believe you have the power to, or, or, you know, the right to, then you never will. And I just have to give this one quick example. Last January at our book bound, we had a gentleman, an incredible man with an amazing story, but he was, he was broken. I mean, he, he had some very traumatic things happen to him throughout his childhood. And he said, after we did this belief exercise and really, we just identified, you know, what have you been telling yourself all these years? What, what is, what is based on false, you know, truth? It's not truth. It's just what somebody may have said to you. And he stood up and he said, you know, for however old he is, and maybe let's just say he's in his 60s, for 60 some odd years, I have called myself a fat boy. And when he stood up, he was a skinny man. Huh. And he said, I've seen myself and I've called myself a fat boy my entire life. And he said, this is the day, you know. I get emotional thinking about it because it was such a breakthrough moment for him. And it's like, wow, because of the trauma or whatever happened to him. And he locked on to that negativity and it impacted his whole life. Yeah. And that speaks exactly to what Audrey laid yeah. out for us. And folks, if you, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, uh, Michelle's referring to her workshops her, uh, and it's book bound by the sea. But if you go to book bound workshop, com. You can see the upcoming dates. You usually have a couple per year, right? A summer and a winter. Okay. Yep. Usually June and January. It's surprisingly, they're usually by the sea. Just if you didn't get that from the title book bound by the sea. So it's a beautiful place. <laughs> and the testimonials that I hear from that, not only that, Hey, I went and sure enough, I came back with the outline of my book or the book written or the chapters or yada, yada, but had a profound experience from a personal uh, epiphany connection and whatnot. So go check that out. Bookboundworkshop.com. All right, Michelle. Well, I'm going to anchor us here. I'm going to, I've got a, a three right here that I'll speak to 
relationships. Uh, Joanne Miller, who is my mom. Uh, she, she, she kicks it off here. She says, I think all the other categories are affected by relationships. If someone has poor relationships at home, at work, in the community with God, et cetera, everything else suffers. I've lived seven decades and have experienced many of the events and circumstances you mentioned and have found that none of them are as important as relationships. Relationship trumps all. Well, Barb, right after her says, I was going to say work circumstances, but after reading Joanne Miller, I agree that most issues in life are derived from our relationships with others and or lack of ability to create trust or influence uh, with others. And then Julianne Black, right after that says relationships for sure. Mostly at work. I really struggle dealing with difficult people. I want to have good working relationships with everyone, but it seems there's always that person that micromanages or is condescending or crazy arrogant. And, it, and I let it get to me more than I should. It, it is As, when I read those, I thought, gosh, the times that I have had relational strife, it is of course, especially in my marriage, you know, when I've gone through valleys there, it clouds everything. And I've gone through times of financial strife and I would say it clouds everything too, but not to the same degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's more of a circumstantial thing, that relational thing. I can't get away from it. And I see people again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, where the, you know, the physical manifestation of emotional pain, uh, you know, I, my, my studio here, my office is in a medical practice that I'm a partner in and I hear the stories. I don't meet with the people anymore, but I hear the stories so often of again, real physical maladies, but the root of it is these days stress is, is it a lot of times, but where is that stress? It's usually relational. Sometimes it it is work and circumstantial, but a lot of times the root of the majority of time, the root is relational stress and how that eats away and eats away and eats away. And we see people and they're in here for digestive issues and that's the root. They're here for aches and pains that they can't get past. And that's the root. And we can't fix that with a therapy uh, yeah. with, with a, with a physiological therapy, um, and, and, uh, with any supplement with, there's no drug for that. Uh, they'll give you drugs that'll just numb mm-hmm. you, uh, which is a lot where a lot of people turn and a lot of practitioners, unfortunately will lead us as well, but it is hard to say when it comes down to it, which is the one that will thwart us the most that we fear the most. Uh, it's hard to say relationships because anybody who's dealt with hard relationships, especially for more than a small period of time, it's pretty daunting. It is. And the opposite thing reminded me of what Zig would always say. He talked about having the home court advantage, you Mm -hmm. know, and how having the right relationships at home is really what enabled him to be able to go out and be successful. And, and, you know, he, he believed that that was one of the, the best, that's what supported him the most. And so when you don't have that, yeah, that, that affects everything. It's, it's hard for it not to. <laughs> I, yeah, I am forever grateful. I'm daily grateful for the reality that I look forward to going home. Um, mm. because there have been times when it's, it's not always been that way. There's been strife at, at home and my gosh, to live with that though, for a long period of time. Well, again, we see the results, uh, people end up crippled to some degree, whether it's physically or, or psychologically, um, that is, that is one where if, if you find yourself in that circumstance, I don't know if there's any more important thing to address, whether that's, you know, in forgiveness and whether that's, um, you know, 
dealing with the relationships in, in what way getting rid of a, of a bad one or digging in to make something good. Or we see all different shapes and sizes. I'll never forget a lady that we had here in the practice and my, my business partner, the doctor came in and told me about it. And he says, ultimately his, his prescription for her was you've got to get your adult child, your adult son out of your house. It's wrecking you. It's wrecking your marriage. Uh-huh. I have nothing better. There's nothing. He said, there's nothing. I have nothing more to give you. You can quit coming in here and paying us. Cause I don't have anything for you other than that right now. I'm mm. I've, I've given all I can and I can't find any other thing that's going to matter other than that. And she ultimately did. So she did good. She did. And hopefully she saw some benefit of that. <laughs> she did. She For her did. and her son. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I am sure. Well, folks, I, I hope as always hearing these true stories helps give you some, hopefully gives you some grace for yourself that whatever you're dealing with, you're not alone. You're not faulty and you're not wrong and bad because you're in that you're dealing with that issue. We all are, but obviously the point is to hear these also and to find some opportunity, some permission, some freedom to do something about it, whether it's, yeah, an internal, like you said, Michelle, is it, is it a perspective change or is it, we need a circumstantial behavioral change. We all got to figure that out and decide what to do. So Michelle, it's always a gift. Thanks. Thanks as always for sharing your heart here. Thanks, Kevin. Enjoy it always. Okay, friends, I sincerely hope this show helped you better clarify some of what is holding you back so you can get it on the table and manage it better. Maybe you can't fully eradicate it, and that's okay. And my goodness, I know if I look at the forecast tomorrow, it calls for a blizzard up here in the Rockies. I can't necessarily eradicate it, but I can work to manage it so as to still get done what I intend to get done. So here's to you and your struggles and making things happen anyways. Well, coming up next in show 687, our topic is aligning what you do with who you are. Here's a new term and topic I've now added to my vernacular and reality. It's called consonance. And consonance is the agreement or compatibility between opinions or actions. What you're going to hear in this show is how having consonance in your life or not massively alters everything you do. My guest is Laura Gassner Odding. Her gig is helping people get unstuck and finally achieve the extraordinary results they desire. She's really turned on by the audacity of the big idea and that larger than life goal you just can't seem to shake. So my muse for our discussion is the message she communicates in her book, Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life. In the book, Laura helps readers discover their consonants. That's really what the focus is, how they align what they do with who they are and why that matters so much to achieve their limitless potential. Laura has, if you don't know her, she served as a presidential appointee in Bill Clinton's White House, helping shape AmeriCorps. She left a leadership role at a respected nonprofit and Miller to expand the startup execsearches.com. And she founded and ran the nonprofit professionals advisory group. So Laura is obviously a heavy hitter folks, but she is interesting. She met me for the interview in a ball cap and workout clothes. And she was just as gracious and down to earth as she looked. It was really just a joyful and inspiring conversation. I think you'll find a lot of motivation from and truth in till then. Thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>